1: Hey, Cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Podcast, brought to you this week by Untuck It. My name is Josh, I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Mm, I'm so good,
0: Josh, and Untuck It. Yeah, those are some great shirts. And speaking of branding, you've heard the moniker, right? Super Sunday. Mm -hmm. You've got a Sunday of great Premier League fixtures. We're recording this Sunday evening after Bournemouth, Watford, and Villa City. We are now changing the name to Capitulation Sunday, I think. (laughs) Like, what... What yeah. a bunch of losers we we saw on Bournemouth and Villa's part.
1: <laughs> Those were two matches that only a fantasy manager could love. There was there was nothing in there for the. I mean, I, I guess the one sided demolition. Man City were so good. There was there was something to admire there. They looked like last year's Man City. Um, it was it was scary going to that. I mean, going into that match with only Kevin De Bruyne. Once you saw how they lined up, I was like, "You knew they were going to destroy Aston Villa." <laughs> um, it makes yeah. You whatever wonder it whatever green team. arrow
0: you had going into that yeah. match was going to be uh, softened, I guess. You, totally,
1: you totally. And this is—I feel like this is the year when everyone has started to think about uh, effective ownership, right? This idea of like you know, uh-huh. it sort of basically, if you if you have a player in your team, you have one hundred percent of that player. If you have captained a player that week, you have two hundred percent of that player. I guess, I guess if you triple-captain them, Brandon, you would have 300% of that player. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This it's is just, like the Turing test? Is that what we're doing now? <laughs> so going into that match, Kevin De Bruyne's effective ownership was at 111%. So his ownership was incredibly high, and he was captained by a ton of managers. So it was weird because I had him, and I was like, anything he does is actually going to hurt me a little bit. I think, by the way, that effective yeah. ownership is like the top – the, the top ten thousand, I think is, is what that is usually calculated by. So it does you know, that the, how much that hurts you kind of probably depends on where you are in the in the in terms of overall rankings. But it's it's a useful useful idea of of you know what what, what the ownership is among people who are taking the game, you know, really seriously. And so I, I knew if any you know if, if Debrenda did anything and then I knew that there were some some cheeky managers out there who brought in Mares, who had who had brought in Aguero, uh, Captain Agüero, Um and I I have to admit, I I didn't even really consider it. I mean, it wouldn't have been easy for me to do anyway, given the way my team is set up, but I, there was no scenario in which I was even considering bringing in an, an extra Man City player this weekend. Were you, was there any, like, were you, Did you think about it at all?
0: Certainly not. Absolutely not. And, and you know, you could chalk it up to one of those flaws in planning for a double game week well in advance, totally. like the, yep. the Liverpool double blinds you to these moves like, oh, city players could be interesting for the Villa yes. fixture, yes. but they're so expensive. I will say, on the other hand, I have been waiting for this match to happen since, you know, game week. Five, six, seven, eight, when I was heavily <laughs> invested in Manchester right, City players. Yeah, and it yeah. did not come. So we can talk about this Villa City match, uh, but hindsight is what it is now. And um, we we have a whole section coming up in the podcast dedicated to talking about Manchester City's mm-hmm. form and the, yeah. the, the beating that they gave Manchester United uh, in their cup match midweek. So yeah. I don't know if the scales might be tipping a little bit in their favor.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and Brendan, even then, by the way, if you had done that, you would have like Captain Sterling and Vice Captain Jimenez, like to be safe. You know, the, mm-hmm. somehow it still wouldn't have worked out. You know, even with all that planning. Uh, so, mm-hmm. but you you hit on something that I, I I do want to talk about just for a moment, which is is this like the ten thousandth consecutive time that planning for a double game week has blinded us to what's right in front of us that we are we are so excited about the possibility of two matches in one game week that we ignore all the other opportunities to accrue points in the kind of you know regular normal game weeks um Mm -hmm. as i said before there was really no chance of me bringing in um a man city player this week but i i feel i felt you know once they started to kind of annihilate uh Mm -hmm. like once it was three nil like 20 minutes in I felt like a little chastened because I was like, well, I, I should have at least thought about it. You know, it was like it didn't even enter my thinking at all. And I, I was sort of like, I was kind of like, I don't know, just interrogating the way that I was thinking about this stuff. Because I've been very focused on Gaming 24 as well when Liverpool have, you know, the two matches. And it, I, I thought, you know, I need to make sure that I'm sort of thinking about everything you know in terms of my own team in terms of what we talk about on this podcast actually the theme of this week's podcast is you know who are we overlooking that's what we're going to talk about in a few minutes but do you know what i'm saying like it, it really it can be a you know these these kind of sometimes it's not even a double game week it's just like a really big fixture on the horizon and everyone starts thinking about it and planning for it and um mm-hmm. And you end up missing out on these big opportunities. And they, obviously that was that, you know, one of those was today. I mean, if you captain Aguero, that's, that's 40 points right there, right? That's, you know, you could jump yeah. 500,000 spots if you, you know, depending on where you are and, you know, overall rank.
0: Yeah, I do agree with you. And I think it's, you could say you're blind to the other opportunities because you're focused on a double game week plan. I think just more academically, uh, we said this a week ago. Okay. So counting forward to game week 24 with the Liverpool double, you have exactly three transfers to play. Right. Assuming you didn't roll two the previous week. Right. So every single one of those transfers sort of leads you into whatever your game week 24 plan is because you're going to need that many transfers. Right. So it's not like you're sitting here saying, well, I didn't realize that city were playing Villa. You knew, but it was a calculated risk. And if you go back and you look at City's recent form, it didn't point to a 6-1 no. just ab- absolute hammering of Villa. You've got 2-1 versus Everton and a 2-0 chasen win against Sheffield United before they were kind of humiliated against Wolverhampton. And right. we had lots of questions about their form leading up to that point. So I, I don't know how much hindsight is playing into this specific case. That said, I have to agree with you, and I think that it still is – a narrative that we constantly lose sight of when double game weeks come into it is um, that uh, there's only one or two different ways we feel we can play a double game week right. and then we choose our path and then the rest is history.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, I think that you are right, by the way, I, I, you know, hindsight, well, I well, yeah, sure. With hindsight, I would have burned four and Captain Aguero, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> yeah. but going into this game week, I I know that they, I know Aguero and Jesus were both rested at midweek, but it would not, would you have like been at all shocked if Aguero just didn't start this game week? Like if he just been on the bench to start things off at no, I would have been mildly surprised at best, right? It would not have stunned me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that was the the total wild card with the Manchester Derby midweek in that neither Jesus or Aguero started. So there were no clues as to what was going to happen in game week 22. So it was to to even try and play it. It it was a wild guess because Jesus, maybe you felt like he was favored by Pep at the moment. Aguero, perhaps the slightly better player. Uh, Yeah, there are just so so many factors at play.
1: So we've officially let ourselves and everyone who's listening who didn't bring in these players off the hook. We can move on and we can talk about our, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Man City a lot more um, in the in the main section in a few minutes. But our own teams, Brandon, you had a pretty good game week, all things considered, right? I mean, you know, probably looked a little better before the demolition today. But did you finish on Was it 60, 63 points, all told? Yeah, exactly. 63 points. One of those
0: game weeks where it does feel like, City versus Aston Villa, where it's an absolute annihilation on uh, the first half, which would be Saturday. Yeah. And then, you know, things start to quiet down a little bit in the second half on Sunday. Yeah. But um, Marcus Rashford, who I feel like um been trying to maximize that transfer that I made with him maybe six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the brace, uh, let's see, the brace against Norwich really, I think, was... The best of Rashford, and now the question will be, how much longer do I hang on to him? But the twelve from him really did launch me um, into a good spot in game week twenty two to get me to that sixty three points. Finally, get a week in which Mohamed Salah beats Sadio Mane for points. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess he technically did um, last week, just based on bonus points. But um, so it's a three points better than Mane as opposed to just two points better than Mane. Anyway, that felt good. Uh the captaincy, you know, we can we can talk about that a bit more, but Vardy getting the assist ultimately. I mean, the other the other player that I probably ultimately would have gone with was Kevin De Bruyne.
1: So yeah, it's same. a
0: four-point turnaround there. So it's not, Whatever. not really much that <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Not not too aggrieved. Yep. Uh the Madison set piece at the end that uh was ultimately slotted in by Johnny Evans. I think you can mm-hmm. see I don't know if Johnny Evans was not celebrating that goal because he knew he was offside, or he was just terrified of what VAR <laughs> was to I, bring. Anyway. I think so. I
1: think so. It wasn't like he like he used to play for Southampton or something, and he was like, I, I did definitely uh, go
0: quickly by, I did a drive by of Johnny Evans, Wikipedia page. Like, did <laughs> he play for South <laughs> What's going on here? Right, right. So I guess he knew that he was offside, but to get a, an assist from Madison, I think really would have been the cherry on top of the game week. But yeah. um, just real quick on the back line, some heroes back there. Lundstrom, of course, Alexander Arnold, both with clean sheets. Sidibe, who was, um, yeah. you know, me taking a flyer on um, this new Ancelotti Everton, him with the clean sheet, uh, yep, that's good enough to keep him in my good graces, so I feel like he came through. So, Yeah, uh, a small green arrow. I'm feeling a little bit of momentum shifting here. Positive. I, I love football, Josh. That's all <laughs> I had to say about that. It football, does seem like if you're yeah, listening, I love you.
1: It, it does seem like you've been on a nice run here. I I, I don't. I, I, you're too. Comp- okay, yeah. So it looks like you've got. Yeah, three green arrows in your last four. It looks like you're up almost 500,000 places yeah. since uh, Game Week 18. So uh, pretty solid, I think. De- definitely. It's like
0: a week like this, too, it's a weird one where I think most managers listening, you will be in the 50 to 60 range, which is where the average is. And mm-hmm. then there are some managers who, like we were saying, were in on Manchester City and had great leaps, you yeah. know, upwards of 80, 90. Some people almost crusting a hundred points this week. And you start to get a little, um, I don't know if it's FOMO or jealousy or what, like people seeing 250 K, uh, rank jumps and, you know, you kind of want to be there with them, but Mm my 30 K rank jump this week, as you're saying, yeah, just taking it as part of a whole over the last six months or six months, six weeks or so I have to feel good about it. Yeah,
1: I I I I think that would make sense. I, I would I would feel the same. I think. So, yeah, how about you? Yeah, not not as. I mean, it was like it was like a whatever. Like we, I think we talked before about like there are there are bad game weeks and there are devastating game weeks. And this was just like a board. Like it was just a bad one. You know, it was like a whatever. I finished on fifty four points, uh, a little below average. I think my game week rank is like four million overall. But um, it actually didn't really hurt me that much because like, my team is pretty template for. Kind of the top one hundred k or so, so I only slid from i think from thirty one thousand overall to forty two thousand so only falling to eleven thousand spots uh, with a below average game week uh, doesn't feel too bad um, and i I held on to my transfer and so i've got two going into uh, the next game week and um yeah i it, 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 kind of the same players as you I just didn't have as many good players. I think all the players who contributed for me uh did for you as well uh Danny ing's that classic moment when you're thrilled the player scores, and then it, like he struggled to take his shirt off, and I was like, just, just <laughs> yeah. give up, just give up on trying to take it off, man. Just like accept that it's it's too sweaty, it's not going to come off. Just keep it on, because uh, the second yeah. the shirt comes off, it just like it takes all the all the joy of the goal from your player being scored is like a, it just like, it just yep. undercuts it, doesn't it? Uh, you know, mm, so it I, sure does. Yeah. But, uh, so he finished on, and then he missed a huge chance a couple minutes later. Uh, so if he finished in five, but, um, we'll, uh, we'll be talking more about Danny Ings in a few minutes. So I will, I will table that part of it. But just before we, you know, before we move on from this game League 24 is, we don't really, we're actually going to cover it too extensively on this podcast. So just at the top of the pod right now, Brandon, where are you with Game Week 24? What is your current plan? Are you, are you still planning on bringing in uh Sadio Mane so you'd have Mane, Sala, and Trent going into Game Week 24?
0: Yeah, um, so my plans changed a little bit, um, just based on the um, form of Danny Ings that can't be denied. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was. Th- I was thinking of doing a little bit of work on my, my defensive back line in game week 23 just to get ready for my double transfer. So I, like you, I rolled my free transfer. So I have two frees mm-hmm. right now. So that's so, that's
1: That was a given. We all know that you roll your... Yeah, always Brandon <laughs> always two frees, roll. old Brandon <laughs> two frees. Um,
0: so I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll do bring an old Brandon Williams to replace... Um, Diego Rico who is yeah. absolute dead weight in my team right now yeah and then I will do my double switch with Rashford and Madison out for Greenwood and Sadio Mane okay what I'm thinking now is doing a little sort of a, a doing a Danny Ings gambit in game week 23 So I'll use one of my two frees going into 23 to turn Rashford into Ings Mm -hmm. and uh, play him. And then Ings comes out heading into 24 for the previously mentioned plan. So it would be Ings and Madison out instead of Rashford and Madison out.
1: This feels very dangerous to me. The the problem Uh with this one week move is what happens if he does anything? Like If he gets a brace in game week 23, are you going to drop him again?
0: Well, I'm talking about dropping Marcus Rashford, who just braced. So That's um, true.
1: You're just dropping braces everywhere.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I do have (laughs) Jimenez. Jimenez is the other, um, you know, discussion point up front. I think Vardy is immovable, even though I think we have some interesting questions about Lester coming up later on the pod. Yeah. Uh, But it it could be Jimenez out. I I just have so many questions about what's going on at Wolverhampton Mm -hmm. right now, like, are they good? Are they lukewarm? Is it just a bit of a dry spell for them attacking wise? Uh, I'm unsure. So yeah. Is it, is it a risk? I, the, the risk I think that you would agree with me is less, you know, playing hokey cokey with the likes of Rashford and Ings. The bigger risk is bringing so much money into my midfield and sort Mm -hmm. of just disrupting the bigger yeah. risk is ultimately ending up with somebody like Greenwood in the front three and throwing totally. off the balance of my budget around my team. That's what's, that's, what's really concerning to me.
1: Yeah. This is why I have ultimately decided I'm just going to go without Salah. Uh, that, that's at least where I'm leaning. Uh, the, the concern with not going with Sala. I, so I, right now I have Mane and Trent Alexander-Arnold and a lot of people will have Sala. I, I wonder now if, if people are a little too worried about him to triple captain him, I guess the the concern would be if I didn't have Sala and he was heavily owned and heavily triple captain going into game week 24, then there could be a lot of risk there. You know, like if he did anything, it could really, it could really hurt you, you know? And so you're really not playing any defense if you don't have him in your team. But the problem is I kind of have the same issue as you is that there's the, the way that I have to do it is I have to bring in like Brandon Williams and Mason Greenwood or, Gabriel Martinelli or something like that. And and then I've got these 4.4 million and 4.5 million players that I don't trust at all. That basically as soon as Game Week 24 is over, I have to figure out how to drop them, you know, and bring in somebody else. And that's just that doesn't feel like good team management to me. And so I think I'm just gonna try to survive Game Week 24 without Mo Salah. My plan right now is to I, I actually don't have to free up too much money to do this, but my plan is to drop two defenders, uh, Aurier and Fredericks, and use the money from that uh, to move Jimenez to Firmino. So then I would have Firmino, Mane, and Trent. And the hope would just be that Firmino can roughly give me what you would get out of Mosala which I don't think is an unreasonable thing to expect. Uh, Firmino's actually been in pretty good form, too. I think he's got three goals in his last four, uh, or, or he was at three, yeah three in his last three matches something like that so um, so I think that's and then I don't really then I get to keep Ings I get to keep Vardy I get to keep Marcial who has got a good game week 24 match I get to keep Grealish who also has a good game week 24 fixture I, I just don't really mm-hmm. disrupt anything and I still have a team that I think is pretty well set up for game week 24 so that's that's where I am um, and it just that makes the most sense for me and you just have to live with the risk of not having <laughs> Mosal or yeah. Sadio Mane as the case may be for certain people
0: the only other plan that could exist is to, uh, so we're both talking about double, doubling up on attack, whether it's right. midfield or forward. Liverpool are now six clean sheets on the bounce in the Premier League. Yeah. Do you find that at all to be a compelling case to say, you know yeah. what, I'm going for the defensive double up with Robertson and Alexander-Arnold?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's another way to do it. I don't know why I'm so reluctant to go that route. Maybe it's because both matches are away in 24. Um, yeah, okay. I don't. You yeah. know, I, I guess that that must be all it is. Um, and then I and I don't really want to do it in 23 when they're home to Man United. So maybe it's like it's like a little too short sighted. Because I agree. I mean, if you look ahead to game weeks 24 through, you know. I don't even know. Thirty-one. Um, it looks, you know, really appealing for um, for defensive fixtures. But I guess, you know, I mean, that applies to defense, de- defense or attack, right? I mean, do you want two defenders when you're at West Ham, or do you want two attackers? I mean, it's kind of like a coin flip, right? I mean, in terms of what would do better. Yeah. Um, and so it's just whether you and, and for me to, to for me to bring in Robertson, I would have to to drop one of I would have to drop one of uh, Ings or. Um, or Jimenez to make that happen. And I just don't really like anyone below those players in that price range. You know, like you saw with Feo yeah. today. He's just too streaky. I just don't trust him, you know? So... Um. So, He's yeah, that's a weird
0: performance from him yeah. today, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, the you, you wonder if the the ceiling is just so much higher with Liverpool's attack right now than than their their fullbacks. Which pff, I don't know. It depends.
1: Depends on any given day. So. <laughs> it depends, Brandon. It's the answer to every every question that we get on this podcast. All right. This has been a very substantive uh, introduction, much more substantive than we normally are. uh Let's quickly, Brandon, run through the always cheating Super League. Do you want to read? Up the top 10
0: yeah of course and it looks like we have a tie uh in 10th place both with 1383 total points it's uh pre-drug jurek and i have to i have to make this a little larger my eyes they're they're getting weak in my old age <laughs> josh mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we've got maro zarichi zarachi This is going to be a tough one this week. I'm I'm already (laughs) feeling it, Josh. In ninth place, Scott Thompson. In eighth, it's David Burns. Seventh, Neil Thompson. Man, these are are getting easier. Brian (laughs) Lister in sixth. Kieran Screeton in fifth. Fourth place, James McKay. And in third, to Lumby. And in second place, Declan Ryan. And holding it down in first place, it's Christopher Bergman with 14.02. Uh, just one point above Declan Ryan in second place. Well done to everyone in the Always Cheating Super League, the greatest FPL mini league in the world. Um, and let's take a moment, too, to thank all of our lovely Patreon supporters. We've got some new members this week at the Lord Sorloth tier. Josh, who are those new Patreon supporters?
1: Yes, we do. Uh, thank you, uh, as Brandon said, to, to all the people who support the podcast on Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash alwayscheating uh, to support the podcast and get an extra uh, bonus podcast each week i did a i did this week's podcast and uh, you'll be doing uh, the upcoming weeks uh upcoming mm-hmm. week i should say um and uh, you also get access to our lively slack channel including the ask josh and brandon channel which is uh, always a very popular channel on the slack uh so thank you to our new patrons hans buller these are all lord so patrons by the way brandon hans buller Artu 2 arlen guaran and michael st Clair. Uh, once again go to patreon.com always cheating to support the pod and we will thank our producers at the end of the podcast
0: excellent josh let's take a quick break and we're to come back and talk about who are we overlooking this season i think there are a few
1: names here that we can talk about yeah for sure all right brian we're back Today's theme, who are we overlooking? We've already discussed some of them on this podcast. I'm gonna start things off though with a question, a broad question, Brandon. A broad, broad question mm-hmm. from from final Richie. He says, I'm on a wild card here. Can you give me a couple of high risk, high reward players to go for to help me climb the ranks? So I like this high mm. risk high reward. Okay, so that we're gonna, we're going to focus exclusively on players that are high risk and high reward. Okay, no blue chips here, Brandon. Okay. These are all. This is where we're in, we're in pure <laughs> reckless hedge fund. Like, gotta uh-huh. spend this money. It's it's like all ill gotten gains. Gotta you know invest it back in the market <laughs> as quick as possible. So so who are a couple high risk is is yeah. is.
0: Is Riyad Mahrez too big to fail? That's what we all want to know, John.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, so Mahrez is, is, Mahrez certainly falls into this category. I have completely overlooked Mahrez. What do you think about Riyad Mahrez?
0: Well, I think we made our Mahrez stance pretty clear last week. And we were talking about how, you know, this, this has the, been the defining feature of Raheem Sterling's season and the defining feature, I think, of, of City is rotation has been uh, kind of out of control. As far as we talked about the concerns over Aguero and Jesus, and the same has been true of Mares. Now Mares has put together some really decent streaks earlier this season and even last season, and it seems really hard for him to ultimately reap the reward from multiple starts, um, mm-hmm. m- multiple matches in which he is is returning. But that it, it, it's, another, it's another question mark over this Villa-Manchester City match in that, wow, is City really back? Wow, is Mahrez really a lock for that starting lineup? And he is, is he a lock for an FPL returner? Because, you know, based on the last three weeks, I think I think maybe we do have to change our stance a little bit and that we have overlooked him.
1: Yeah, it's – you know, I just don't really like to bring in anybody who doesn't have, like, consistency of starts. And, I mean, I'm just looking back, and he started the last three. uh, Before that – and I I guess I'm talking purely about the Premier League here. I mean, I didn't pull his stats for every random match they played in. But, uh, you know, played 45 minutes in game week 19, 20 minutes in game week 17, 25, and 16, 18, and 15 – uh 68 and 40 i mean it's just like he's not a you know i think he started you know 11 out of 22 matches so far this season and so you know david silva is back bernardo silver is back he just you you know he's 8.4 million he's not exactly cheap and i just don't you know 8.4 million just feels like a lot to spend on a player when you don't honestly know if they're going to start any match and you know you look at someone like james madison and you just think okay like Maybe he's not quite as explosive as Riyad Mahrez, but you know he's going to start every match. You know he's going to be in every set piece, and maybe I, you know I—I I don't think of myself as an extremely conservative manager, but to me that just—and he's point seven million cheaper, and that just you know someone like him just is so much more appealing to me than someone like Riyad Mahrez.
0: Yeah, uh, I certainly won't make be making the move for Mares, and I do feel like I'm in a position here where I do want a high risk, high reward um, player. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all coming back to the uh, game week twenty four double. On that, I'm like viewing that as my the current <clears throat> like high risk, high reward mm-hmm. uh, gambit that I'm playing um uh, uh, I'll 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 tackle these other players once I do play my wild card. Um, yeah. after that. But yeah, so so Mara's maybe a little too high risk in terms of the reward that you would get in return. Then you look to Everton, another player you have mentioned here, Josh, is Richarlison. So Dominic Calvert Lewin has been returning most consistently for Everton, and and Everton are looking much much better over the last month. Then there is Richarlison, who was the one that actually returned over the one pointer from DCL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Would you consider Richarlison over dominant Calvert Lewin at this point? I mean, DCL is still, seems like he's a lock in that striker spot, assuming Everton doesn't sign anyone, which I can't yeah. imagine, given all the money they've already spent this season, that they would. Yeah. So I think DCL is still probably the better pick
1: yeah Over i mean
0: you know i guess
1: if we're if we're just comparing the two then i think where is just he wins the like who's the better player argument you know like this is it reminds me of uh when we were you know like five weeks ago whatever it was before i brought in danny yings there was the stats were sort of pointing to neil mape as the i was looking for someone in that kind of six million range and it was between Ings and Mape. This is—it like, was actually—it was Boxing Day. That's when I was debating this, and even though the stats were all pointing towards Mape, I went with Ings because I just thought, well, Ings is a better player. I just know—you know—it's like he's—I just trust him more as a player. And of course, it seems very obvious now that he scored three matches in a row and looked, you know, incredible away to Leicester, but. You I, I, I mean, like Richarlison, I just feel like I trust a little bit more. He did score thirteen goals last season. You know, he's still super young. It's, it feels like he's the most important attacker in that squad. And so, um, obviously, he does cost more than than you know, one's a midfielder, one's a forward. They're not. It's not like a total like for like situation. But if I could have anybody on Everton, I would certainly go with Richarlison over over Calvert Lewin. And I, I just don't trust Calvert Lewin. I guess is really what it comes down to. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he does eight goals in the yeah. season, which is impressive. But I just. I mean, do you, do you trust him? Like, would you recommend someone get him? I I just don't, I don't trust him. There's a stat that I roll out every time DCL comes up and it was,
0: um, I think it was two seasons ago. He led the league. I don't know if it was at the end of the season or it was at some point during the league. He led in most aerial duels one. And if I trust DCL at anything, it is his play in the air. He is just dominant. And it's interesting to look at. He is his frame looks a little slight mm-hmm. um, for what you'd expect from a stat like that. But yeah. I like him. And if you want to further split hairs, Richarlison, um, he's on thirteen percent ownership, whereas Calvert Lewin is six point nine percent ownership. And yeah. I think that is kind of splitting hairs here. And I th- pretty I think low you, in either I, case. I think yeah. you're yeah, it is low in either case, and you know your your point stands in terms of you know, just go for the better player if you're if you're looking for future returns. The better player is probably going to set you up in that way. Yeah, turn a wild card yeah. exactly. But I think if if you are really looking to make those those higher risk picks, you want to look at um, percentage of teams who have selected these players. Which brings me to uh, Hungman's son, who hmm. I think is got to be top of this list of high risk high reward players to consider because this is one of the best attacking players in the league for the past few seasons and he is now just on 6.6 percent ownership which is obscenely low Mm -hmm. for who is now spurs best attacker with harry kane um out um and even then you could you could have your own argument there 9.8, it's a little expensive, particularly if we're looking at a, at a season in which KDB is essential and which having a Liverpool midfielder is essential. But I think if you're looking to turn a corner this season, Sun has to be top of the list.
1: Yeah, I I think Sun is up there. Um, I, if I were to throw out one more, I would say, um, uh, maybe Lacazette just to be like a little different, you know, um, Yang's going to be out for the next three weeks. Lacazette is almost certainly going to be leading the line uh, over the next three weeks and, and will be counted on to be even more of a goal scorer than... I. I you know, he kind of does anyway, You know, even when bombyang plays. But I, I do think that he'll end up having more chances. Um, I suppose he won't be on pens. I guess Pepe would probably take pens now. So I guess it just sort of depends on... We don't really, I guess we don't really know under Arteta, right? I mean Pepe and Lacazette are both yeah. good penalty takers, so it's it's hard to say. But uh if you wanted to be a little bit different, I mean you've Brandon talked about how much you like the idea of having Lacazette and now's your uh-huh. chance, man, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. The the big the big concern with Lacazette is how much of the of the FPL um treasure does he share with Obama Yang or does he get mm-hmm. any of it? But now yeah, yeah you've got a three week window on which you're kind of Assured Lacazette is going to have all of the big chances. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a really interesting pick.
1: I was surprised that Obama, uh even got a yell, like that it wasn't a straight red just from like the initial kick. You know, like it doesn't feel like you need a V. Like that was, I don't know, maybe it was like it just looks so bad on on video review right like when you saw that you're like wow that is wow
0: are you I, saying are you saying that you're a fan of VAR now
1: <laughs> no uh it, no I'm not saying that Brandon but I'm just saying this was this is listen there it's not like it's always wrong you know but it, I I think uh don't don't even put me in this position cuz I had a full scale meltdown okay. on friday night after the end of the south the 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 uh chevy united match i can't yep. even i can't even do the var thing this time so mm-hmm. let's move on to a couple of other uh people players etc that we're overlooking uh danny ings we've talked about already got a couple questions here the wrangler says is it too late to join the ings party uh fpl squat says is danny ings now a genuine armband contender versus wolves next weekend danny ings one of the greatest <laughs> single one goal performances i was he has, he scored one goal. He probably could have had th- what three or four in that match. It was it was inc- <laughs> he was incredible. Wait, before you said three,
0: he uh, before you said three, I thought you were going to say thirty because I would put uh, his XG <laughs> upwards of thirty in that match. It was it was incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, he was he a man so possessed, good. and he I was. think that is exactly why he tore his shirt off when he finally scored that match because yeah. it was just sort of a. Look, at look at me. Look what I did. Look what I am yeah. doing. And yeah. um, I think it, I'm not an Ings owner right now. Um, but just seeing that madman with his insane tattoos, um, it was basically a come get me. To all fantasy
1: managers,
0: to to, to all fantasy (laughs) managers, and if you if you were bummed that he missed out on bonus points and he dropped a a a yellow card point because of that, you should at least take heart that what him taking that shirt off meant was that this is not the end. This is not (laughs) the end by a long shot.
1: Yeah, I was surprised. I wasn't more bummed. I guess I did. I just wasn't. I really had no expectations going into that match. You know, I mean, I thought he could do something and I, I, you know, but just because his form is so good, but it wasn't like I captained him or whatever. So even just getting five, I was like, okay, fine. Sure. This is this is still it's still an attacking return. It's still better than nothing. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, they really have probably their best Their best run of the season starts in game week 23. I mean. They have one bad match, basically, their way to Liverpool in game week 25. And even that could be an interesting match for him because it is a return to Liverpool. You know, so it might be a little extra juiced for that one like he was for the Leicester match. Uh, Wolves Palace, Liverpool. And then it's Burnley, Aston Villa, and Newcastle at home and three out of four. And then away to West Ham and away to Norwich. So, I mean, there probably are some captainable fixtures in there for him. I, you know, game week 23, I think I'm, I'm really fixed on De Bruyne right now. Um, at home to Crystal Palace is my Game Week 23 captain, but I think uh, I think Ings is a reasonable captain pick at home to Wolves. I mean, Wolves' defense is pretty poor, and he's in great form. Uh, I don't know. I, I there are worse captain picks for 23. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, twenty Game Week 23. I guess we have to talk a little bit about the captaincy more at the end end of the pod. It's like that we were spoiled for choice. I could have talked myself into any captain going into 22. Yeah, yeah. 23. It looks like I'm able to sort of talk myself out of any captaincy option. So yeah, I think yeah. we need to brainstorm a little bit at the end of the pod.
1: Yeah, we'll talk more about it. Um, yeah. There's some midweek matches too which could affect things. All right. So, Ings,
0: yeah, specifically to Wrangler, it's not too late. I think I think the party is just in full swing right now. It's just mm-hmm. like is this is this guy going to win the golden boot? um it is it is <laughs> yeah. conceivable it's, particularly it's conceivable. If we, yeah I mean can we can we quickly talk about Jamie Vardy and what's going on at Leicester I mean Leicester looked really rattled I don't know if that yeah. by by Southampton I don't know if Southampton yeah. are just in that good a form right now or if Leicester themselves are wiped out from that yeah. really tough run of fixtures that they had over the holidays but where are you at with the likes yeah. of Sawyanshu and Vardy? I
1: think there are a couple of factors. I, I do think that Lester came out looking, to, you know, looking to win that match. I mean, I, I don't know. Why, you know, I, there's no reason why we're all human, right? I mean, if if someone came into your house and annihilated you nine nil, you know, as Lester <laughs> oh, did, Jesus. you know, at St Mary's Stadium, uh, whatever that was, the last fall, well, this
0: isn't a home invasion situation.
1: They destroyed them. They like it was it was one of the more embarrassing losses, right? I mean, they were they were they're pouring in two, three, yeah. four goals like after the 80th minute in that match. So of course, yeah. I mean, how could there how could they not be extra motivated for that match? And I think it really showed. I mean, they were they were in the front for the entire match. Um, yeah, it's a little concerning because you, if you do combine it with Aston Villa, who also played pretty well um, at, um, at Leicester City in um, midweek in the uh, the the Carabao Cup uh, semifinal, the first leg of that. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. within within DD out now too, there's concerns about the Leicester defense. I thought Vardy played really well in the, at least he played, he played well in the second half of the, of the Carabao Cup match. And, you know, had a great assist in the first half of the match. Just didn't create a lot of chances in in the second half or later. I I don't really see it as a big issue still. Um, The fixtures are still pretty good for for Leicester. I'm not planning to move him anytime soon. I guess he's maybe – he has shifted from unmovable to – could move him, right? Like, given given a further loss of mm-hmm. form. Um, so I guess mm-hmm. that has changed a little bit. Like, it, he doesn't feel like a season lock the way he did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And so I guess that is a big change. But, um, I mean, that assist he had was, was so good in um, the first half. and It was um, great, yeah. Yeah, almost almost scored a really nice goal um, in the Carabao Cup near the end of that match. Had a really nice pass to Idi for an assist in that match, too. So it's not like this guy is just completely gone in terms of his form um you know it's, mm-hmm. but but again i mean he has and it is now whatever it is four matches for them um where he hasn't scored he hasn't played in two of those but still um it's it's yeah. something to to think about
0: well uh going back to the ings thing if we're if we're overlooking anyone it's surely che adams who got uh, what like his first goal involvement of the entire season with that assist to danny ings um yep hilarious hilarious stuff from che adams just what a what a wonderful guy all right so we <laughs> we talked a bit about a bit about mares uh, mm-hmm. with final richie's question but we need to talk a little bit about a little bit more about manchester city we have a question here from fpl wire who asks cities form not just today but in battering united midweek tempting an early wild card Especially if not already in the top 100k, so FPL Wire here is looking to re- leverage City's newfound form in, yeah. into sort of launching his his overall rank. Well, he specifically asked. From FPL-
1: I, I I edited this question, Brandon, because he specifically said Brandon. He said, Brandon, are you oh. thinking about doing this? Now, I, I didn't want to put you on the <laughs> okay. spot too much, but the question was, yeah. I mean, is it is it something you've as you as you make your push towards the top 100k? Is that something? Yeah. The, would you think about an early wild card to bring in Man City players to kind of get ahead of the pack a little bit?
0: Yeah, I I suppose I would. Um, I mean, that that the game I was playing that I think got me into this mess that we've discussed a few times, Josh, is earlier in the season, I went all in on, on City at the expense of not having any Liverpool players. So... I th- what well, I I would like to endorse this idea of early wild card and and loading up on a bit of uh Manchester City. Right. But it just can't it just be at it. the <laughs> expense of yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but well I I had but I think there's a different way to do it and you you have to take a more balanced approach. Um you know while you're trying to explode up the ranks from from a lower position maybe you're around 1 million or around 500k. You're not going to do it all just on the back of differentials. You will need the support of sort of locked in, widely owned assets. I mean, not all of them. Obviously, you can't have them all. But uh, if I were to do that, I would at least still want to have a Liverpool midfielder. I would still want to have uh, somebody like Jamie Vardy up front. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. Tr- trying to I, find some yeah. sort of <clears throat> balanced way of using this as as a weapon.
1: Well, I guess this this leads right into uh, FPL Chancellor's question because it says, is there an argument to stack up on their attackers and accept the odd benching? We are in a situation right now where, especially with Todd Cantwell, you actually have a, a, a bench attacker who's pretty decent, right? Who can get you attacking returns, you know, with a, on a semi-regular basis. So does that maybe make it a little easier to bring in a Riyad Mahrez type because you know that you – it's not just going to be some 4.5 million dud in there that you have some players who could yeah. actually come in and, and deliver points for you.
0: Well, Todd Cantwell is home Bournemouth in game week 23. You, everyone's yeah. just going to have to start him. So, so Cantwell tricky. is that yeah. odd. He, he is that odd fifth midfielder where he's become a bench headache. So yeah, I yeah. I think that's a very fair assessment where he's, he's freeing you up to, to take on a little bit more of that city rotation risk. I, I agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, I know. I, I'm actually starting Cantwell over Grealish right now on my my bus team for Game Week 23 and I like I, I still feel weird about it. Maybe just cause like just two weeks ago, uh, I I did that. I, I started Cantwell over Grealish, and that was when Grealish had a goal and an assist away to Burnley. So it's it's it's. Mm-hmm. it's but 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 yeah, I mean, how can you not start Cantwell? I mean, I, I think Cantwell has three double digit returns at home already um on the season i think that's i think that's right he won see so t- newcastle um er- wolverhampton crystal palace and he also had 10 away everything he has four double digit returns in the season um and three of them have come at home so uh yeah i think you do have to start Cantwell uh, in that match <clears throat> so i wonder if Cantwell yeah.
0: is gonna be a michu light as far as fpl memories are concerned Like, this is not a Michu at Swansea-esque season for Cantwell, but Mm -hmm. the reason I'm making the comparison is, will we ever hear from Todd Cantwell again after this season? I don't know.
1: sometimes, Sometimes they turn into Robert Snodgrass, and sometimes they turn into George Boyd, you know? It's like you just never know. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. So,
0: well, Cantwell is a bit more George Boyd-ish given his use of the headband. So, Yeah, um, but he's, a lot, he's like – That's a warning it, sign, talk. He's like
1: 18 years old. I mean, Brandon, I, I'm not saying he's going to turn into this player. But, I mean, you and I have both been playing long enough that there was a season when Liverpool had a, like 17-year-old midfielder who was just 4.5 million – Named Raheem Sterling, Mm -hmm. who like was slowly working his way into everybody's fantasy team near the end of that season. So I, you know, sometimes they. I mean, you know, Harry Kane, his his breakout season. He started off at five million. So, so we 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 don't know. I mean, I don't you know, I don't think Cantwell is like a twenty goal, twenty assist guy or whatever. But but he, I think he's talented. I mean, I you know, I've certainly watched him play enough now that I feel like he's. He's better than Agreed. me, you know, and that's you know I don't say that easily. So, <laughs> yeah. all right, so y- yeah. I guess we've talked about City a lot, right? I mean, we're kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree with you. I don't. <sighs> I mean, Aguero and Jesus. Now, now it feels like even more confusing because are they. Are they both going to keep starting? Does this last for a while? I still don't we know. We have what two. To do. It's like
0: we either have not enough data or too much data. We never yeah. have just the right amount of data when it comes to Jesus yeah. versus Aguero.
1: Yeah, and I still don't trust Romaro's, so even, yeah, even despite what we did today. Someone someone asked a question. I, I actually didn't add it here, but I, I think it's it's worth thinking about. Um oh actually, yeah, I did I did add it, Brennan, <laughs> because it was a good question. Uh Jeff Wa says, wasn't this six one away win for City basically like the 8-0 home win versus Watford? Uh, but that, I mean, do we risk overhyping Man City players when, in fact, they just caught a bad team on a really bad day?
0: I think there's some food for thought there. I think I'm more in the Jeff Waugh camp in terms of my assessment. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's like this coupled with the midweek cup match against Manchester United w- was also a dominant performance that, you know, kind of makes you pause and and mm-hmm. scrutinize the, the film. Yeah. Um, but I think if you – you, you don't just want to take last week's points and try and paste them onto next week's yeah. game week expectations. What we know of Man City, we have to take the totality of the season. And I think the totality of the season would show us that Man City are more flaky than this. Yeah. So I'm just I'm gonna I, I I'm feeling like I need to see a little bit more before I am playing playing that Man City wild yeah. card
1: it's so funny it's a sense, like the game this this fantasy game brandon it can be so so like so hard to to play the right way i mean like i just thinking about aston villa right it's like they they went into burnley they picked up a really nice win there they go away to Leicester, they pick up uh a draw you know could have been a win if not for a late equalizer mm-hmm. from Leicester. uh they it looks like they've recaptured some of their form you know and so who who could have? I, I mean, I guess they they did lose Tom Heaton. and I guess that's that obviously is significant. But you know, who could have predicted that they would just get destroyed? I mean, they haven't been quite good at home against a few teams this season, so it was a little, you know, I don't know. It does feel a slightly fluky to me as well. I mean, you know, and again, like it's like it's like with Watford that that you know, Watford are now like you can't score on them, you know, and they lost eight nil to Man City, <laughs> uh, you know, ten game weeks ago. So yeah, Uh so yeah, I think sometimes there's something said for just catching a team on a. Bad day, distracted day. Maybe, maybe Aston Villa just kind of, you know, they 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 knew they knew what was up going into this one, you know, and they just didn't quite have the the fire, yeah. you know,
0: yeah. And and you have to assume Villa were probably playing a system that was a little strange or uh, less familiar to them, given that Wesley is out, and it was kind of a strikerless formation. I think yeah. Grealish yeah. and El Ghazi were kind of sharing responsibilities in some sort of a, a five, three, one, one or, or something like that. Yeah. It I, I think that could play into it as well, where they were just a little shaky in terms of where every player needed to be on the pitch, and it was pretty easy then for City to just work around them the way that they were really skillful at doing.
1: Yeah. And credit to Greelo, She was like just fuming the entire match. I mean, he really did try hard. I don't know. I don't know how productive he really yeah. was for Aston Villa, but he, he played with a lot of fire. So uh, credit to him. I, I think yeah. even if Aston Villa go down, I think he ends up staying in the Premier League, you know, some other club Oh yeah, he, he's,
0: he's, he's, he is not a, he's not Tom Kearney. He proves he's proved that much this <laughs> season.
1: No, 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 no Boyd or Kearney. I agree. Or uh Canuckard for that matter. All right. One last team before we, right. before we move on here. Uh, Watford. Uh, I did mention them just a moment ago. Chico Fernandez says, does the fact that Decore is playing advanced and inspired Watford squad mean I have to get him in for the third year in a row? The answer is Yes. And Bryn Stewart said, is Sar, I, is Sar and Watford for real? So Decore first. You have never had DeCore, right? Ever once?
0: I have never once had Decore, though I have long been an admirer of Decore. I think like yes. I just love his the the way the like the way he plays is like he's bursting through a brick wall at all times.
1: Mm-hmm. He's just like Jordan uh, Ayu the, the way, bursting through a net.
0: <laughs> yeah, imagine what Jordan Ayu does in that that's what Decore does to brick walls many times during <laughs> during a match. He just there's a there's a great power. I think that that power that Decore has sometimes comes at the expense of grace. Hmm. Um, you know, not not the most graceful, but 5.6. Mm-hmm. If I have to stack Decore up against Saar, who apparently we also have to talk about, we have a question from Bryn Stewart who asks, is Saar for real? Uh, I mean, I do think Decore is more like a full full package of a footballer than Saar is. Saar's playing, I think, more reliably farther forward. And he's got, what, three attacking returns in a row now? I, I it's, it's a weird place to be with Watford that we're actually talking about this, Josh. I, I don't yeah. know if I've processed my thoughts. What do you think?
1: Well, I think that, I mean, Sar is, I suppose the more highly rated attacking player, right? I mean, Decoré is a little more box to box, at least traditionally he has been Uh Sar can't yeah. really finish, you know, which <laughs> does, does hurt him no. a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm kind of with you on decore. I, I too have never had him in my team. I, I've long admired I'm like I'm like a director who really wants to work with an actor and I've just never quite found the right project, you know. That's I've that's Call I feel us about De- <laughs> Call us So one day uh, he and I will work together, but it has not it has not happened yet. Um but
0: I <laughs> you just don't I, have the right part for him just yet.
1: Yeah, I guess I mean, you know, okay, so if I were to bring in Mo Salah. Uh, if I just broke down and decided that I just needed to have him, or I don't know, like Firmino gets injured at midweek, or you know, who knows? Any, any number of reasons this could happen. Um, I would probably have to downgrade Jack Grealish to make it happen. And the 6.3 million Jack Grealish to decore at 5.6 million would probably make sense as a move. I mean, the other players I would consider in that bracket would be someone like Troussard at Brighton. Um, and I think I would just go for Watford given their superior form right now. So, yeah, I guess I would go for Dakare over Saar. Um, I You know, him playing an advanced role is something that I just – I can't really speak to because I just don't track Watford closely enough. So if, if you do, um, mm-hmm. let us know on – with Twitter or the Slack or whatever, or let us know in an email and we'll talk about it next week's podcast. But I, I yeah, I guess between the two, I would just go with DeCore's superior track record um and the fact that he's 0. 0.6 million cheaper and I'd opt for him instead.
0: Fun fact that DeCore and sar both have 1.2% ownership, which uh like, wow, what a coincidence. Low ownership team, Watford. So I think this is a good team to sort of like, uh, poke around if you're on a wild card yep. card, or you're looking for differentials with low ownership players. I mean, not to say nothing of their defense. I mean, uh, yeah. I remember when Ian Stimson was guesting on our podcast a couple months ago, and I was giving him the hardest time about having Craig Cathcart in his team. And now Cathcart's got, uh, three clean sheets in the last, well, he's got four clean sheets in the last seven. So that's, yeah, it's really not bad and Nigel Pearson has really got that defense whipped into shape, which is great yeah. to see.
1: There was a question from Raphael Prince said that there don't seem to be any standout goalkeeper options this season. If you're picking one now or in the next few weeks, who would you pick? And you know, honestly, if I were wildcarding right now, I think I would go with Ben Foster as my as my keeper. Yeah. Uh you know, a little expensive at 4.9 million, but um yeah, it's what three clean sheets in the last five. Um pretty good run of fixtures the rest of the season. Not uh, a really bad end, right? But, you, you know, there, I think there's a good chance... Well I guess I guess this is the argument if you're wild carding early, who would you bring it? but I guess if you were wild carding later then I would but you just needed to make a goalkeeper change now like let's say like you have Fabianski or something like that um who just got you know just went down. Um, I would I would definitely look at Ben Foster as my as my keeper and um, and maybe you make like a, a very late swap out like game 37 or 38 for somebody else. but um, I mean is, do any other goalkeeper options even stand out to you? Is there anybody that you think is really head and shoulders you know above the rest?
0: After fielding a zillion goalkeeper questions this season, I think I've finally come out with the uh, um, the thought that I just don't care. I cannot think about goalkeepers anymore. It's just
1: like just just give me three points from so Ryan. Not right? worth the
0: pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, just just stick with whoever you have and and be free. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Ben Foster wildcard shot. shout. I think that that I'd do the same.
1: All right, Brandon, let's take a quick break. Uh, We'll get back. We have a couple of questions and then we'll look at game week 23.
0: All right, Josh, I've got a question for you. Have you ever seen an untucked button down shirt? Have you seen it like in the office uh, on the street at a wedding?
1: Oh, sure. Nothing nothing like the late night uh, with the like the tuxedo, the bad men's warehouse tuxedo, you know, where it's all wrinkled and hangs yeah. down at the knee. And yeah, it's a, it's a bad look. Yeah. The question
0: does plague us. Like, why do untuck button downs look so bad? It's just because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Maybe it's maybe you think you're going to be more comfortable if you untuck that button down shirt. Sure, you're going to feel less like stuffy, but you're going to mm-hmm. look kind of like uh, like an idiot. Thankfully there is Untuck It, the original button down shirt that is actually designed to be worn untucked. With more than 50 plus fit combinations Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim and athletic guys of all ages. Josh, you and I got Untucked shirts and we have uh, we have like kind of average guy sports fan body types and these <laughs> shirts they fit me well. I think you're pretty happy yeah, with them. Yeah, I
1: know. I I wore mine on Friday even though I got up in the morning, I took a shower, and then realized that I was too sick to go to work. I, even then, I kept my Untucked shirt on all day while I was lying in bed moaning in pain. So that tells you, that's a true story by the way, <laughs> that tells you uh, how comfortable these shirts truly are.
0: Absolutely, in sickness and in health. You can find your favorite Untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. So whether you're shopping for the perfect present Mm -hmm. uh, or you're just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It, it's the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, untuckit.com, and use that promo code BLUE for 20% off.
1: All right, Brandon, we're back. It's lightning round time. Two questions this time around. I want Adama's body. Says I don't know why, but the red arrow seem to be more of a downer for me than the joy from an equivalent green arrow. Is it the same for you, or am I approaching the game in the wrong and unhealthy way? Uh, I, I'll hmm. tell you why I'm laughing in a second here, Brandon. Uh, P.S. Today was Arms Day at the gym. Slowly but surely, getting towards Adama's body. <laughs> <laughs> I want a weekly update on, a, on how, how this is going from absolutely. I want Adama's body.
0: I want I want pictures. Isn't yeah. everyday arms day for Adama? Uh,
1: Adama Treyarch saying that he never works out is such a lie. There is no way that guy never works out. That's insane.
0: It's that montage scene in Rocky IV where you've got the Russian guy – uh, who's getting pumped full of steroids and he's on the treadmill with all the scientists. Yes, and yeah. and then Rocky is in a barn, like lifting logs up over his mm-hmm. head. Pulling a so car. So I feel like whatever. Adama, uh, yeah, Adama is like the Rocky style where he's like, well, it's not working out if it's just things that I find lying around the barn and lifting them right. all
1: over my head. I guess that's true. Yeah. If you're just like swinging tires or whatever, then I guess that, that is a little different. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, do, are the red arrows more of a downer than the joy of a green? I mean, they certainly are for me, Brandon. I I I think I can answer for you when I say that they are for you as well.
0: Uh Oh yeah, and I yeah, think that yeah. the 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 reason why I think is pretty simple. It's that we're very competitive people and <laughs> Yeah. Like the green is good, but the green you just generates a hunger in you for more green and the red just generates rage and and um, <laughs> yeah. self-reflection and and uh, bad, bad bad feelings all all around so it is just a product of you being competitive and i think that doesn't have to be a bad thing like being competitive yes. can be fun and can be rewarding it can certainly go too far and it can become unhealthy and it can yeah. become unfun and then if you start sort of if it starts rippling through other parts of your life, then yeah, that's bad. Yeah. But I think that's why, right. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. I think, um, I think a big, a big green is, is like the best. Obviously we're not playing an actual sport. We're just playing a game. But when you have like a really big green arrow, like, uh, like, uh, you know, like in game week 21, when I, when I moved to 30 K it's like, the, like the way – like you will watch 500 hours of highlights over the next week. You will listen to 18 podcasts. You will talk to anybody about about anything involving fantasy on Twitter or wherever. Like you become – it like you become so into it. It is so awesome. And the, so those, those – I mean so I, I guess like a normal green arrow doesn't do much for me. But a really big one is worth like three red arrows, you know. So um, I feel – I don't know if we're getting – too much into the theoretical here but yeah
0: no well one thing i do when i have a particularly big green arrow is i just pour over all of my mini leagues and mm-hmm. look but and see too. how my rank has changed <laughs> there and you're you going through like one by one through like all 20 <laughs> mini leagues and just it's sort so of like true. just like gaming them all out and you're like well i've got them they're dead to rights and um, <laughs> and then of course yeah. you get a red arrow the next week and it's <laughs> You, for for you, that, even, but,
1: you just don't uh, even check the standings for a week. Um, yeah, I, I, will, I will add that even though it's, it's hopeless for me, I, it, the older I get, the more respect I have for the fair weather fan, like the person who just doesn't really care. Because I, I have gotten this way a little bit more about other sports. Like the NBA for me is just a sport that I just enjoy and I can dip in or out of it, you know, and it doesn't like the highs are not as high because I'm not as into it. But it's kind of I'm sort of OK with that. You know, so I feel like if you're the kind of person who's asking a fantasy podcast questions, like, like for us to read off on the podcast, you're, you're, it's probably hopeless for you, right? You have, you're, you're doomed. But, (laughs) but I think, but I, but I, so I, but I do respect the person who can just check out and not care at all. Uh, but I think that, um, obviously you don't want to go crazy. Uh, you have to, uh, I, you know, I think that the, the biggest thing is to, um, not watch every single match. I think that sometimes when I'm having a really bad game week, I, one of the things that will, and I'll get mad at myself about it is I'll, I'll think, well, I just spent the entire weekend watching all these matches, you know, like what a waste, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I, I've been trying to cut back on the, just the number of, hours I watched I spend watching matches over the weekend and it's that sort of makes it a little bit better you know like if you have a bad game week but you didn't watch the entire like the matches that really hurt you then there is a kind of like distance there you know like I, I know a lot of people do the match of the day challenge where they just don't watch any Premier League all day and they'll wait until seven o'clock at night or, or I, I guess match of the day comes on much later in the UK whatever you know whenever it comes on um and just do it then and I, that does seem like a better way to do it in some ways it's like you get all the misery kind of allotted in this like little two hour window, you know. So that's that's something I do want to put. I wish I did. I know do want to push
0: guess. back on that a little bit. I do want to push back on that a little bit. In that I I what really drives me crazy is that is how FPL cannot be separated from the football matches. And for you to think I've had a bad FPL week, therefore I wasted this time watching the Premier League, right? Like, that drives me crazy because no, you watch the premier league because you love the league you love watching football and right that's that's exciting and if fpl is driving you away from the game that brought you here in the first place right. then that's a bigger problem well maybe it's about how me. you watch
1: maybe it's about how you watch the matches then you know maybe you need to turn off the fantasy brain a little more because if i'm launching a match where i don't own any of the players and there are a bunch of highly owned players in that game and they're all doing super well is it is not easy for me to enjoy that on an aesthetic level you know i'm sort of just too Mm -hmm. focused on how much it's crushing me you know so um yeah so i i don't know that that may be something that that could just be a personal thing where it's just hard for me to turn off that fantasy brain um i always enjoy watching the matches but you know so you know how it is sometimes you're like it's like a beautiful you know especially like when the matches start up again in august And you're like, yep, it's like 85 and sunny (laughs) and I had a crap game week (laughs) and I just spent, you know, in the, you know, in the U S it's like, I just spent 8am to noon, like with the, with the blinds drawn, you know, watching TV. And then, then those are the times when I feel slightly guilty, you know, but. In general, I I don't feel guilty but I love it. I mean, it's a, it's a blast.
0: I genuinely thrive in an environment in which I'm alone and it's dark inside. So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That,
1: Fair that's, enough.
0: that's where I thrive. <laughs> Go that's watch how, the... that's how I win.
1: Okay, here's the final thing. We talk about the Black Horse pub a lot on here, but if I'm having a bad game week and I'm watching it with a lot of my friends at the bar, it is never bad. I it is never a bad time because I'm still you know, so I mean, maybe it's maybe getting out to watch matches more is a as another answer, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a good if one. Yeah. Because if you're just having fun and you're laughing and you're drinking and whatever, um, it's it's that, that's almost never a bad time, right? So yeah,
0: absolutely. Drink responsibly. All right, All right Brian. All well, right. it's it's thirty <laughs> second
1: responses to these questions, so I think we're at like twenty eight seconds. Time to move on to the next one. Uh, and the final question, actually, for the, for the lighting round. Secret FPL player says. Where does the points chasing boundary, that's trademark pending, Brandon, exist on a scale of, for example, KDB, Rashford, Ings, Mares, Ducore? Where is the line, and how do we know where to draw it? Um, so basically, when 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 you bring in a player who's doing well, are you chasing points? Mm. Um, is there you know like do you do you think about chasing points? Do you is this something that you I do. I, I guess, you know, I mean, okay. Like, I mean, chasing points, like it's like, it's a classic like worry, you know, I think that Ings is, Ings is a player who fell into that category and maybe we're now like a little more convinced. So, um, you know, how do you decide whether you're bringing in a player that you really like or a player that you might be chasing points on?
0: Well, it's, it's kind of something I was saying about City earlier in the podcast and in, in terms of totality. So did a, are you chasing points by bringing in a player because they scored in the previous game week and they have done nothing else prior to, well, that's a textbook case of chasing points. You think Mm -hmm. you look at Ings and Ings has had, um, I think like he's had a handful of blanks throughout the entire season. You're not chasing points. There is a, there is a massive totality there. Mm -hmm. Mahrez is, he exists in some sort of middle ground Um, And that's where you I think you really have to focus on you have to really become an FPL manager in that case where you have to watch Mara's uh, recent performances and you have to scrutinize the stats. So, you know, you could go to a membership site like Fantasy Football Scout or you could find other statistic sites with heat maps and and touches and goal involvement um, that you can find for free to really analyze, well, is Mara's recent form backed up by any numbers that you could say would continue? Right. And that's, that's the hard labor of deciding that you're not points chasing.
1: Yeah, I think that's where it helps to have like a non-fantasy brain too, when you think about this stuff, because, um, you can usually put the, put the player into context a little bit. Like I was thinking about someone like, like Kellum Robinson, right. Uh, for Sheffield United, he was a player who had 11 points in game week four, way to Chelsea, right. Goal and assist. Uh, he was a player they signed in the summer, uh, talented player, but, but kind of unproven, right. So if you brought him in after game week four, that to me is kind of a case of chasing points because no track record, um, not a, on a team that isn't a real, like, and on a team that doesn't have a track record either, right? I mean, so, you know, if a player does well on a team like Bournemouth, traditionally, well, Bournemouth are a pretty attacking team, there might be, like, someone worth, you know, like, you know, like a David Brooks kind of player, like, maybe you, maybe you could think about them a little bit more, um, didn't, you know, it's not like they were um signed for like a massive deal or like there's some young and young and upcoming player. They don't have like a a season in the past where they've done extraordinarily well. Um even someone like Danny Ings, who has been, you know, frequently injured, did have a season several years ago where he had double-digit goals, right? So it's not like he's never even, you know, he even has a double-digit goal season in his history. So um, it makes them even more kind of reliable, I think, as a, as a player or as a, as a you know as a player to consider. So it's it's when they truly have like it's when they, when they have no history at all, and the team that they're on has no history either of kind of developing or promoting players um, into fantasy assets. I think that's when that's when you might be chasing points. Um, and I think with Man City, it's kind of almost a whole other category because with them, the question is how do they fit into that team? Uh, and this to me is where the Maris question feels still unanswered because i don't i don't understand where he fits into that team necessarily is he just is he just in the hole like indefinitely now or every other match or or is he gonna he's gonna play in the right sometimes i suppose and, and what in place of bernardo silva it just it feels very confusing to me you know how he slots into them and so that kind of ambiguity makes me feel like i am i don't know if i'm chasing points but i'm sort of um it feels too unreliable to me, you know? And so that's, I guess mm-hmm. that, you know, that, so it does feel like chasing points a little bit because I feel like I'm not, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be like getting consistent returns. And I feel like that's, that's a factor as well. So um I don't know if any of that yeah. made any sense, but that's, that's my thing.
0: No, it did. It did make sense. I guess the last thing I would say too, is uh, I think Uh, One of the problems that comes from chasing points is not who you're bringing in, but who you're getting rid of. of, Mm -hmm. Like you look at a player like Jimenez, who, you know, he's been disappointing the last two or three weeks. Do you immediately chop him and chase points from another player when you know full well that Jimenez has uh, has more goals to come? Uh, like, it's sort of like you're talking about how does Mares fit into the IRL city team? How does the FPL asset you're bringing in fit into your own squad? Who are you getting right. rid of to bring them in? And yeah, what's the right. expectation there?
1: Yeah. And it's funny, by the way, that I big up Madison earlier on this podcast, cause I think, doesn't Madison have like five blanks in his last six or something like that? But I, I still trust him more for some reason. I don't know. Uh, it feels like he should have more attacking returns than he does, doesn't it? Like, I can't believe he has five blanks and six. It seems surprising to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I said this, I think, last week when we were doing our report card where Madison just exists on a knife's edge mm-hmm. in that it's it's all or nothing with him as an FPL asset. Um, so I think that's the risk you
1: take. All right, Brad, we'll move on from the perpetually on the knife's edge James Madison uh, much like James Madison's presidency, Brandon, a lot of uh, a lot of drama in that presidency, but that's it's a story for another podcast. Uh, game week mm-hmm. twenty three kicks off on Saturday. I was looking ahead to game week twenty three, and I'm kind of excited about what a classic, what a classic like fixture structure it is. Right, um, there is uh, eight matches on Saturday, two on Sunday. Big, bo- both the Sunday matches are are good fantasy matches. Lots, lots to like about those two. The Saturday matches are kind of all over the place. Some interesting ones in there. I mean, the rejuvenated Watford uh, host Spurs um, in the early match on Saturday. I think Arsenal, like it, just has like a fan of the Premier League brand. Which, as you've as you've noted early in this podcast, <laughs> we should always strive to be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Watford strive. Spurs should be interesting. Arsenal Sheffield United, I think, could be a really interesting match, uh, especially without Aubameyang. Uh, Man City Palace, but it'll be coming off them playing the second leg of the Carabao Cup. Um, so yeah, lots, lots to um, lots that's intriguing. Unfortunately, the the primetime match on Saturday, Newcastle Chelsea is probably the one I'm least excited about uh, on the day. But yeah, yeah especially with with Pulisic yeah. out. Um, so I, what's, what what yeah.
0: jumps out to me is the um, how even these fixtures seem to be mm-hmm. uh, like Brighton Villa. Great matchup, yep. Norwich, Bournemouth, just classic six-pointer. Mm-hmm. Southampton, Wolves, they couldn't be more evenly matched at this point of the season with their form. Yep. West Ham, Everton, same deal. It it's it's going to be an interesting Saturday. So I guess we should talk a little bit about captaincy. So you have your bus team captaincy on Kevin De Bruyne. I mm-hmm. still not satisfied until I get my thumb sucking celebration from Jamie Vardy right now, the bus captaincy is on Jamie Vardy hmm. away Burnley. Okay.
1: It's not a bad, it's not a, it's not I, bad. Yeah. I don't hate it.
0: You would, you would. I, yeah. I, I don't think we can talk about, well, I wish it were a home fixture for Jamie Vardy this weekend because it's not like Lester looked great at home against Southampton in game week 22. My issue with the Kevin De Bruyne shout out is, Crystal Palace have tended to be a bit of a bogey team for Manchester City, just going uh-huh. back to last season, too. Um, earlier this season, it was a 2-0 victory for City, and De Bruyne didn't pick up any attacking returns. So, I'm, you know, what do I read into that? You're, you you seem pretty, pretty happy with that captaincy on KDB,
1: though. Well... Uh... <laughs> I mean I, well okay I mean it's 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 a contingent captaincy if he plays the full 90 uh in the second leg of the Carabao Cup maybe it gets moved off him um I actually think Sadio Mane at home to Man United is that is a really tempting captaincy there too I don't really know that I can see man united stopping him from from doing something in that match and uh i don't you know i i, I just don't see that as like a one nil like i think um i don't know especially with them having played them they'll, they'll be playing in midweek as well um maybe I, it'd be interesting like I, I again i guess a lot is contingent on what happens in the second leg of the Carabao Cup. i mean you know vardy will play in that one as well so you know if Man united rest all of their players and just kind of give up on that match. Uh, then maybe it's a little more competitive on Sunday. I don't know, uh, but you know Liverpool are off now. I mean, yeah, them losing that Carabao Cup quarterfinal was like the best thing that could have happened rest. to them, right? It's like it just yeah, it just give them so much extra time to rest. So yeah, yeah All right, it's, let, it's let, let's
0: let's talk about let's talk about Manchester United fullbacks then. Mm-hmm. So Mane going down the left is com- going to come up against One Basaka. Mm-hmm. And Mohammed Salah going down the right is gonna come up against Brandon Williams. Probably. Uh, it, yeah. So
1: um... it would favor Mo,
0: wouldn't it? It it, it does favor Mo a little bit. I mean you you know, they they've been Liverpool have been experimenting a lot with uh swapping wings, especially with with uh Trent and Rabo. Yeah. Uh, which has been interesting. So um I don't know what they'll do to work around the tackling machine that is Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I mean, the the swiftest route to goal with this Manchester United defense is straight through the the fat middle. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, and, just... and even with the forwards, it's pretty fluid, right? I mean, Mosal has been playing as a forward with Mane and Firmino you know, in support at times, too. I mean, you, you never really see Mane on the right, um, so... Yeah, I mean, I think it's, but but Basaka's going to be busy just dealing with Rabo, you know, on the on the left there. So, I mean, I, I don't think. Uh, True. You know, or on, on the left, excuse me. So, I, you know, so I don't think. Um, um. I don't know. So I, 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 I don't really. I, I don't know how much stock I put into those individual individual matchups. Um, yeah. But I I don't know. It just it feels like they've been kind of picked apart by by teams this season, and I, I don't know that I really trust Bayada to come into this match with like a great game plan. And even if they wanted to set up strong defensively, I'm not sure they could do it. You know, like if they could actually like get away with it. Um, so yeah, I feel. Pretty I'm good definitely about talking pretty
0: myself cool. into a solid captaincy right now. I'm uh, making that change on my bus team right now. You know now.
1: what? I changed to Money captain too as we were talking. Wow. <laughs> How do you like that? It's a real matchup. That'd be fun. You? Oh,
0: I I wasn't able to change it. Apparently the uh, game is reloading at the moment.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, it's, uh, fortune favors me then, because I already uh, locked it in, Brody. <laughs> no! <laughs> so I think there are, there are, but obviously I think De Bruyne is a great captain pick. If you held on to, um, a, you know, if you brought in Aguero, I think he is the obvious captain pick, um, especially if he doesn't play at midweek. Um, Danny Ings, good shout. Um I feel like I'm still in a position where just having him is enough. You know, I don't feel like mm-hmm. um, I suddenly have to start counting him. Only one double-digit return all season. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not like that team is super explosive either. So, I mean, the, you know, it feels like he's getting one or two good chances and he's converting on a number of them. But it's not like, outside of the Lester match, it doesn't feel like, you know, having watched him pretty closely the last three matches, you know, he's, he's sort of... He's converting well, but it's not like that team is like super explosive and he's just like, it's not like he's like most solid up there with just like eight chances a game, you know, that he's like, you know, uh, getting dispossessed on or whatever.
0: Uh, God, what else to talk about here? Hmm,
1: Nothing. That's fine. Tra- oh, transfers. <laughs> what are you, uh, what are you thinking transfer wise right now?
0: So I like my bus team fine and it allows me no benching headaches because I've just slotted Rashford on the bench. I just don't like the looks of, well, he's got this weird knock, which there's no news on at this point. I suspect he'll be fine and um, how, whatever happened to have him come off the pitch was precautionary. Ah, who, who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But sticking him on my bench allows me to play both Cantwell and Grealish. No headaches there. But I think what I was talking about earlier in the podcast of doing Rashford to Ings and then playing Ings and Vardy and Jimenez up front, um, that does sound pretty fun. So the transfer is either going to be Rashford to Ings or Rico to Brandon Williams for bench fodder for this week. Uh, That's the plan.
1: Yeah, uh, for me, I'm... I'm sort of debating whether I just want to start Lundstrom. And if I decide that I'm just okay with starting Lundstrom away to Arsenal, which I'm sort of, I think I'm fine with. I think I'm just going to do that. Uh, then I think what I'm going to do is is make my Firmino move in game week 23. And so I would move uh, Jimenez to Firmino, and I would move Aria to Brandon Williams. And Brandon Williams, full-on punt, but even if... I'm not starting him very often. I like him as a kind of game week 24. Like, I don't know. I just think that he's like a decent, um, occasional player, you know? And if not, he'll, I just have him buried on my, on my bench and I'm fine with that as well. Um, it, you know, I've had Ryan Fredericks has been buried there forever and it's worked out fine for me so far. So, um, yeah. and then in game week 24, I would move Fredericks to somebody, um, that would be that would be the plan. Although if Brian Williams has that spot locked down, then I would probably just start him in that match. And because um, they play home to Burnley, um, and in that case, I would you know consider maybe possibly bringing in a West Ham player. I don't really know who I would want though. Um, I mean, is there anybody? Have you thought about any West Ham players? Is there anyone you'd think about for this double game week? I mean, I guess if Snodgrass was a consistent starter, I'd consider him, but. Nobody else, really.
0: No, their fixtures are just so awful. Yeah. Um, hosting Liverpool and then uh, at Leicester, yeah, it's not it looked pretty good over the weekend. Um, but but that was like amongst a bunch of other bad yeah. players. Their defense looks
1: Felipe Anderson looks can't out shoot. A lot of starting, They're, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. The goalkeeper situation continues to be a mess. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, just I'm
1: I'm not interested. Neither am I. It doesn't seem worth it. it. You'd bring someone in and then you just want to drop them right away, right? You just wouldn't, you know. Right. There's yeah. So and the Brandon the Brandon
0: Williams shout too. I think just plays into that points chasing conversation we were just having. And that while it feels like points chasing, just given the ten point haul that Brandon Williams has, like the utility that he has for your FPL side, mm-hmm. even just sitting on the bench, like the price tag speaks more than the points do. I think yeah. for Brandon Williams right now. So it, it doesn't feel like chasing at all.
1: Yeah, and he started over a healthy Luke Shaw. I mean Luke Shaw did ultimately go off with an injury, but it was an injury he got as a backup during the warmups. Um and apparently Ashley Young is uh looking at moving on. I don't know if you've heard about this, that he's uh yeah, he may move to, to Italy. Milan, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. uh in that case, it's basically just a straight battle between um between Williams and Shaw and if Williams was already Between winning Between
0: Shaw and like the looper, the looper version of himself.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the one who didn't, you know, I, I guess I guess Shaw has had some some really bad luck with injuries. But uh, yeah, but I think that, you know, it's a, I, I mean, Williams, what does he have, two assists? Already? He's got a, is it, is it a goal and an assist already? And just in very short. Okay. Yeah. Four, five starts in the season. The
0: run that Williams made to win that penalty on the Rashford pass Have you seen Aaron Wan-Bissaka do anything remotely close to that
1: in the last two seasons? No. It's very bizarre. It felt like he was trying to be a little more attacking in the Norwich match, and it just isn't his game. And uh, I was listening to some podcasts where they're talking about, like, is is this just going to be a huge problem for Man United? You know, like, if this guy just can't – in the modern game, can you have a fullback who just doesn't attack enough, you know, and just – um. Yeah. You know, one assist in the season. That was that pass to Rashford in the the Newcastle match. But uh, that was it. You know, he did, he did have three last season for Crystal Palace. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, surely they'd want more from him. I mean, think about what Ashley Young has done, and you know, on on and off over the last couple of seasons. I mean, he had six assists there uh, just two years ago. You know, so I'm sure that I'm sure they need a little more, or would would like to see a little more from Mombasa out of that spot. Yeah, definitely.
0: All right, that's a wrap.
1: That's the pod. Uh, I like how we really like walk the line between fantasy and real life, <laughs> real premier league talk in this week's episode. Um, that's the pod. And we barely talked about VAR. So let's, let's chalk that up as a minor miracle. Brandon, if you would like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com alwayscheating always uh, cheating. I can say thanks for what we do and get access to our Slack message board an extra podcast each week, our private leagues, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, to become a producer, you can visit that same page as well. Brandon, I know I did this for the Super League as well, but would you mind reading off our producer patrons, please?
0: Man, I, I get a kick out of it, Josh. I'm okay, happy to. Great. So a big big thanks to our producers. Trevor Ingerson, Mike DePetro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn. Congratulations on the Titans, Chris Howell, by the way. Andy Penn, Chris Carter, Martin Savage, Brian T, the Big Gaffer, Bobas Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Jazz Binning, David Wegner, Laudal. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. I kind of got a mushy mouth on you on you there. Nick Right, Jim Payne, Brian. This is not easy, Josh. This nope. is not easy. Nope. Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Frederick Keen Gransky, Travis West, Alan Creasy, Victor Forberg, Skogang, Paul Herzig, Kaya, Christine Lelang, Stian Niehaus, Barry McGuire, Peter Boductel, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Andy Martin, Lindsey Rostell, Anton Markoff, fplmerch.com, and James Conroy. And if Patreon is not your bag, then uh, something you can do to help us and say thanks is just to rate and review the Always Cheating Podcast wherever you subscribe be it apple podcast spotify google play stitcher acast that's very welcome also give us a follow on social media at hail cheaters on twitter instagram we're also at hail cheaters we're on facebook facebook.com slash always cheating or send us an email hail cheaters at gmail.com all this information and more including the always cheating merch shop is at AlwaysCheating.com.
1: very well said brandon thank you for listening we'll see you next week Poku forever.